0: It's called the Radiopotomy app. Find it in your Google Play or Apple App Store. From your friends at News Talk 710 KURV. The morning news on 710 KURV. Top newsmakers. Here's Sergio Sanchez.
1: We say congratulations to our friends at South Texas College. They're celebrating graduates of their inaugural Corrections Academy in Hidalgo County. Let me go to the dean who is overseeing all of this at South Texas College. Sarah Lozano is dean for business studies and public safety and technology at South Texas College. So tell me a bit more about this new program, Sarah.
2: Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me. Um, this morning. We are really excited about this program. The uh, County Corrections um, program was something that we had been working on for a while and um, in partnership with uh, the Sheriff's Office, with the Udago County Sheriff's Office, uh, we were able to put this together and, um, you know, have these students go through this program. So really what we wanted to do was we were finding there was a lot of students that are interested in law enforcement career, but Becoming a police officer really has their, the limitations of like, you know, of age specifically. And we want to make sure that, you know, when we prepare students for employment that, um, they're, we're going to set them up for success. And Mm -hmm. so, um, we thought this was going to be a really good, um, a win-win for both us and, and of course the, um, the sheriff's office in filling a need of what they, You know what they have um in correction needing corrections officers um and then also filling a need that we have in getting students started on a pathway to law enforcement um you know or within law enforcement and and just kind of giving them a taste of what the field would be like getting them exposed to that um that way they could be you know they could be ready when the time comes for them to apply for the police academy
1: what is all involved and how long is the training? Because when I see the words Corrections Academy, I'm thinking maybe th- through the sheriff's office that you're working with, are, are we just hiring more, for example, jail guards? That's step one toward maybe becoming a deputy. Or how does, how does it work? What is it w- that they're trained in?
2: Yes, it's basically, so the, the program that we put together is basically basic jail course, um, ethics and criminal justice, and then interview and report writing for criminal mm. justice professionals. So they take those three classes um, in a six-week period, and um, and yeah, and that's taught by one of our instructors who has, you know, certification and is qualified to teach that. Um, and yeah, it's it's basically getting them to where they are uh, licensed P, uh, basic corrections uh, county corrections officers. Yeah. Um, so you know, yesterday we celebrated with them, and we had a represent a representative from the sheriff's office, and just. You know, he talked about how excited they are because, you know, the students not only took the course, but they also passed um, their licensure exam as well. Okay. So, you know, it's, it's really exciting for us.
1: And again, how long does it take and what's the cost of that program?
2: Well, because it has, it's three different courses. And so, um, you know, the, the, there's a cost that comes before it. Um, Basically, to go through the screening process. So, you know, you have typical like polygraph exams and um, the psych exam as well, and you know, fingerprints and background. So, all of that has to happen prior to them even registering for the class. And so, you know, so they
1: need to to be of the right mindset, so they're not gonna, you know, blow their top if if somebody's (laughs) and they need to have a clean uh, record as well.
2: That's correct. Right. Yes, exactly. And and we set those standards. They're very similar to the standards that we have for um, becoming a, a police officer as well. So before yeah. they get into the academy, a lot of these requirements are the same. Um, and we want we did that intentionally. We wanted to make sure that uh, we you know we have the students that are prepared to enter this field. because um, it's definitely not easy. And I think we had, you know, we had interest in the beginning, we had more students supply but Um, you know, for whatever reason, not everybody gets through all of these phases. Uh, But the ones that did, you know, we were really excited to see them successfully complete the program.
1: How many graduates did you have on this first uh, class?
2: We had, yeah, we had two graduates. I know it doesn't seem like a a lot, but I think for our first one, we were just, we were really happy that these two students that went through the program, completed the program, but then also passed their exam. And so, you know, we, we see that quite a bit. We try to keep our our pass rates high for our regular uh, police academy and so you know and um we try to keep that you know to where we're teaching them what they need to know to be successful um but we're also preparing them to pass their licensure exam and Yeah, so, um, yeah we had those two students and um their families were very proud the instructor was very proud you know um, it, it, we told them they made history with us, and they'll go down in the books as the two students who started, you know, who went through this first academy, and um, we're excited to see how many more students of interest we have um, well, moving forward.
1: Well, it sure made things easy when they threw their graduation cap. It sure made things easier to, to find them <laughs> afterwards. Sarah, Sarah Lozano is Dean for Business Studies, Public Safety and Technology, South Texas College, and we're talking about the inaugural class, and the two graduates, for their corrections program uh, i'm guessing like most other technical and trade training at south texas college boom they got hired on the spot there, there were like jobs waiting for them and in this case probably at the county right
2: that's correct yes they um I, I don't know exactly when they start but i believe they were getting their assignment um within the next two weeks so yeah good for them they're very eager um, yeah. to get started
1: yeah hey, hey yeah. tell me real quick in a minute if you can uh the strata of more training, they could go back to SDC and maybe, as you said, academy, other type of higher training when it comes to law enforcement. What's available at the college?
2: Yes. Um, actually, we, we set this up to where this course could actually, uh, or these courses, <clears throat> excuse me, could actually be applied to their associate's degree if they choose to come back and continue their studies. And so that was definitely one of the pushes that we made to them. We said, you know, this is really great. They're very young students. Um, have a great career in front of them but we did tell them you know the importance of continuing their education and the fact that they already have those courses that would be applied to their associate's degree should they choose to come back they, they have that leg up and so that's really exciting for them too, to yeah. have that in the books and they did seem interested so we're hoping that you know they won't get too distracted with work um, because our, our law enforcement associate's degree is fully online so they're able to Excellent. You know, make that. Um if they need
1: to, yeah. All right. And look at that. Another school year has has started for public school. We got another semester coming for South Texas College. Quick reminder to parents, moms and dads of the dual training, dual credit that's available. You, you might have some new programs or new schools that onboard. A quick review of that.
2: Sure. Um, our dual credit program, it's its one of the biggest programs in the state of Texas. And so, um, you know, every, we make every effort to partner with school districts and a, a lot of different programs. Obviously, there's some programs that have different requirements. But, um, you know, a lot of the programs that we have, especially like in our, uh, in like I mentioned, the other divisions that I'm, Uh, oversee which is business and technology those two programs or those two divisions we have a lot of programs within there that we partner with a lot of our school districts and um, our goal is to get students the skills that they can get uh, within the time frame that they're in the high school so that they can really set themselves up for continuing their education and for uh, you know whether it's a a small certificate that they get in high school or they get their basics in high school we really want them to be able to complete something while they're in high school so that's Serves as a stepping stone before they continue um, beyond high school, especially and, because it's free. I mean, yeah. dual credit classes are free, so that's a great opportunity. For Ten
1: four, them. and um, how many school districts? Just quickly, how many school districts are participating in this college in high school? The dual credit program at South Texas College.
2: Well, since we serve the Algo and start counties, we have. I mean, almost all of this all the school districts that we partner with. Wow. Um, we have. Yeah, I mean, I think there's. I, I want to say almost every school district or just right. about every school district. All right, so check
1: with the, the counselors master. when you get back in there. Uh, your kids could be sitting in college, getting uh, trade, and even licensing and certification by the time they finish high school, have jobs waiting for them. Well, I don't know how you do it, Sarah. Uh, she's the dean for business, public safety, and technology, three different programs that she oversees. But the blessing to all this, it's three different paychecks, right, Sarah? That's That's a good thing. <laughs> I will. Okay. <laughs> Call us back, Sarah. Give us updates on the program. Sarah Lozano, a dean at South Texas College. Hey,
0: as long as you're scrolling through your phone, checking out your friend's latest Instagram post, take a moment to download the Radio Para Me app. Take the app with you wherever you are and whatever you're doing You're listening to the best of the valley's morning news. Here's Sergio.
1: Download the free app for 710KURV and all our sister stations at Radio United. Crisp, clear, audio, and access to previous programs from 710KURV only at Radio Parami. Download it, it's free. It's a new school year. All schools up and running or about to get started here pretty soon. So let's go to the umbrella organization that helps out with training and and overseeing the managing of all these schools, Region 1 is the name of that organization. The executive director is Dr. Dan King from PSJ fame. He was a superintendent for many years, so he has plenty of experience on what some of these superintendents and principals are dealing with right now. So state of Texas made some changes, Dr. Dan. Some requirements, some of them non-funded. So let's review The changes, Texas law, some some of those changes coming up September 1st. So what have they done and what's coming up here pretty soon that that you see, Dr. Dan?
3: Well, I think the one that has caught most people's attention is in the school safety domain. And I think in this session, um, really finalized the shift of school safety from really being primarily a local matter to really strong uh, state requirements and and even uh, leadership there. So I know one law that's gotten everybody's attention requires every campus, every instructional facility that that's primarily used for instruction to have a certified peace officer. Um, and so everyone is scrambling. Um, they, they did put an out in there for the simple reason that there literally are not enough um, certified peace officers and, mm-hmm. and it needs to be an armed certified peace officer so for now boards if they cannot find one or if they don't yet have a funding mechanism the board can pass what's called a local ex- exception and provide another way to provide an uh, armed individual but every campus still has to have an armed individual so preferably a certified peace officer and then if not um, it, it can be uh a guardian, it can. Uh, what's called a guardian it can be some kind of an armed uh, uh, personnel that's yeah. qu- qualified and trained,
1: like an um, extension of the of the marshals program, right, where a teacher or a staff e- member, somebody who's trained, yes, uh, and licensed. Yes. So good. it can
3: be a, mar- a school okay. marshal. It can be a school guardian. Someone that's trained, and then, like I said, the goal is to get everybody um, to a certified peace officer. That will take a number of years. Again, just because. There's not even enough in existence to um, to cover every campus and staff your local police departments and state agencies. The other thing I think that's big is that uh, TA now has a school security chief that came on board a few months ago, but now the legislature has given him a, a, a lot of authority over um, school safety, and the state has been divided into a number of sectors, and so... Uh, The South Texas sector, there'll be an office in Corpus Christi that will cover San Antonio, the Corpus area, and the Valley. And out of there will come a lot of uh, inspections and additional um, um, training and direction. So the state is really ramping up uh, not only uh, requirements, but also oversight, uh, supervision. So that's
1: the enforcement, the oversight on school, campus, Security checking the doors, physically checking everything, like what we had over the past year or so. That's permanent now. Yes. Those those yes. those audits will take yes. place. Okay. so
3: yeah, so Region One is involved in the the regular door checks, and then uh, uh, the school security office, uh, which fair area comes out of Corpus Christi, will do um, more periodic, um, deeper checks. Not as frequent, but deeper. Um, you know, deeper checks and and deeper uh, trainings under uh, sec- state security chief John Scott now.
1: Doctor Dan, do you know if the state of Texas allocated a certain amount of money for um, for hardware? You know, for fences they, they and allocate, security stuff. Yeah. Y-
3: yes, for hardware, they to harden schools. They yeah. actually allocated quite a bit. They allocated over a billion dollars. Um, so they, they allocated significant funds for the, uh, for the hardware portion of that. Um, again, it'll take a, it'll take time for schools to go through, uh, purchasing processes and then of course, uh, contractors and equipment. And when everybody's trying to do it at once, as you know, there'll be some log jams, but everyone is, um, you know, everyone is, uh, you know, working on that. Uh, the, the state agency, the commission of education has also established rules to define exactly what minimal um, security provisions in terms yeah. of hardening of schools, what the minimum standards are.
1: We're starting another school year all across Texas. Most schools up and running. we got a few more starting up next week And security. Top of mind for all schools in Texas, as mandated by the state of Texas lawmakers, executive director for Region 1 is Dr. Dan
4: King. Uh, Dr. King, Tim Sullivan here. Yeah, as you just mentioned uh you know, the state did a statewide school security audit uh, that's been completed, and now you say uh, there's going to be, uh, you know, periodic um, school security uh, checks, audits, and what. Are those random?
3: So, th- so those are those are random. They're uh, basically um, ad- unannounced. Um, there's maybe uh, school districts are given a window of uh, like a given month that they that they may have a camp one or more campuses in the district audited. Okay. Um. One of the changes from last year. Last year the 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 governor required by 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 uh, by by mandate uh, by gubernatorial mandate he required at least one campus in every district receive an audit. Starting this year, every single campus will receive. Uh, a security audit from qualified staff uh, through the service center and then like I said out of the security office in uh, in uh, uh, out, out of corpus there will be random uh, deeper um, visits that go beyond the uh, kind of the perimeter check and the the basic security check that are being done through the service centers and so they'll be doing uh, deeper checks and then school districts are still required to do their periodic um, uh, reviews uh, internally also.
4: Yeah, gotcha. Do you have a general idea of how the local school districts and local individual schools, how well they did, you know, in those security audits, how well they are secured, how well they're prepared for a potential school shooter in terms of, you know, locked building doors, locked locks on classrooms, et cetera?
3: overall there's been uh i mean there has been a you know a dramatic change in uh people being more alert and and you know both here in our region and then statewide there was a, a pretty high a very high level of uh you know of compliance and uh then like i said um, you know beyond that now between the commissioner's rules and the law you know, requiring uh, you know, really defining more and more what it means to have the school um, uh, hardened and have it uh, you know as as safe as can reasonably be um, you know done to deter uh, deter uh, and, and you know potential intruders and certainly uh, delay uh, delay and give time for you know law enforcement and other personnel to you know, to respond yeah, uh, and so forth. So we know that in these incidents, a couple of minutes, um, you know, a few minutes can mean everything. Absolutely. Sure.
1: It makes a big difference. And I've got less than a minute left, Dr. Dan. I think um, the governor was also touting protection of girls sports as well as a big change. Uh, is that on the front lines of education uh, that solidifies and separates girls and boys on the biological side, right, for this year?
3: Yes. Yeah. Yes, uh, the and the UAL had pretty much uh, done that, but but in law, basically uh, for competing in uh, athletics and so forth, it mandates um, competing with your biological, uh, you know, assignment uh, and uh, um, you know, unless it's a uh, you know, like mixed. Unless there's a mixed competition to begin with, like mixed yeah. doubles and yeah, something, but if it's a male sport or a female sport, yeah. That, and that, that kicked in that already, sport. right?
1: That's 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 in in yes. in place for this academic year. Yes. Dr. Dan. That's in place for this yeah. academic. Yeah, thank you for your time. I know there's other changes, but uh, we're out of time for this segment. Thanks, Doctor. That's uh, Dr. Dan King, Executive Director over Region One.
2: Show. hello hello having our voices heard that's right yeah you live and you learn exactly right Wait. this is our country use your heads on this stuff bingo
0: sick of the talking heads. i agree with you talk 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 talk
2: talk hello
5: hello
0: yes i'm here i'm just listening yes no yeah no thanks for taking my
6: call
3: yeah everyone is so smart they are so dumb who is she the judge
0: stand up to do something
3: Thank
0: you. The Valley's only news talk station, News Talk 710 KURV. You're listening to the best of the Valley's morning news. Here's Sergio.
1: Tropical system, Harold came and went rather quick as. Had been forecast. Barry Goldsmith from the National Weather Service office in Browseville. We're going to dissect whatever's left of this and and look ahead to the rest of the tropical season. Okay, Barry, so uh, the uh, quick recap. Uh, What happened with Harold, I guess, uh, sent all the energy up to Corpus Christi yesterday.
5: Yeah, so the center emerged, as we mentioned yesterday morning, at around uh, 8.30 a.m., well north of the original position, which was very difficult to detect, even through the Hurricane Hunter aircraft. and We saw a dry slot develop. We thought, hmm, I wonder what that means. And it meant that the cyclone was kind of wrapping up like a typical cyclone you'd see in the north during the wintertime. We had that comma shape. And sure enough, the center got under that, and instead of landing in Willoughsee, it went about 35 to 50 miles north into the Padre Island National Seashore, and all of the forcing was on the north and northwest side of that. So the areas from the coastal bend down to Kingsville received between three and more than five inches of rain, and some wind gusts we found as high as 67 miles per hour around the Corpus Christi Naval Air Station, whereas for the valley, we were on the dry side of the pillow in that westerly flow underneath the main core, and our rainfall here was generally less than a half of an inch. So... Uh, quite a sharp contrast in just about a 100-mile difference from yeah. one point to the other.
1: Boy, that puppy was moving forward really fast and, and just visited Lake Falcon for just a few hours and left. Have, have you had a chance to assess how much rain felt on near Lake Falcon? We're hoping to get anything in there.
5: Yeah, so we'll, we'll hopefully have numbers later on today. We, we get a, a pickup from our bias-corrected radar Uh, usually between 9 and 10 o'clock in the morning. So we should have something there. Estimates are probably about 3 to 5 inches as it raced along. It would have been nice to get 10 inches, but Hmm. 3 to 5 inches will probably be enough to flow down river and stop the reservoirs drop, but it may not cause much of a spike in the rise. So it was 14.67% of total capacity as of last night. Probably will rise to 15, maybe 15.5 percent, but that might be it because even um, in the part of the river between Del Rio and um, Laredo, there was a sh- it was a quick spike in the river gauge at Laredo, but well below flood stage or even action stage. Which means when we start looking at conditions of minor problems along the riverbank, that didn't even happen. So the the bottom line is we'll get a stop and maybe a slight rise, but it's not going to be too much higher than where it's been for the last few days.
1: From Brownsville, from the National Weather Service office, our friend Barry Goldsmith, meteorologist, helping us do the post on Tropical System Herald.
4: Uh, Barry, Tim Sullivan here. So further north of us, I was seeing a lot of um, weather warnings, tornadic, possible tornadic activity, uh, Corpus, Alice areas. Anything develop out of that?
5: Yeah, I'm not too sure of what uh, they'll see. I would think they would either have surveyed yesterday or maybe surveying today to see if those areas did get hit. Uh, There were some good little circulations near Rivera Beach, uh, southeast of Kingsville, and a couple more farther north. They also issued flash flood warnings because they had up to five inches of rain in a fairly short period of time. So despite the fact that we're all in drought, um, when you rain that hard uh, quickly, uh, mm. poor drainage areas will flood with two or three feet of water, and that may have happened up there. Um, so there'll probably be some surveying done in those areas where the winds were also strong. We had gusts over 65 miles per hour around Corpus, and we had a 61-mile-per-hour gust uh, in Falfortius, which is the area that we serve, but only a few minor uh, Damage uh, issuance, issues with trees. We had no structural damage that we've heard of. So, probably a bit more there. But again, tropical storms will do that. Nothing too crazy, but certainly uh, something that they'll have to take a look at and come up with a final report on.
4: Back to the reservoirs. Just watching radar for the better part of the day. You know, I, I saw persistent bands of rain. You know, as you mentioned, north of us from Corpus to Alice to Laredo, and very little reaching around to drench us. Did the watershed uh, did some of these rain bands get a chance to you know park themselves? was it was it was it consistent or did it move too fast? and that's the reason we're just you know probably not going to see a whole lot of rise in the lake levels.
5: Yeah, Tim and, and Sergio, I would say it uh, moved too fast. I mean right now I'm looking at the ball of energy. And it's already moving northeast of El Paso. It's into southeastern New Mexico now. And honestly, these other events we've had before, we like to see 18 to 24 hours of rain
2: yeah.
5: falling in the Big Bend region yeah. south of there in Coahuila so it can drain through all of the Mexican tributaries into Falcon Lake. And that's not the case here. There was a slight bump, as I mentioned before, in Laredo's uh, river gauge, but. Uh, like I said, I think it'll stop the drop, but it won't stop it for long. If we don't get more rain to the reservoir, it'll just resume. Rather than getting a spike like we saw last August, I don't think we're going to see that because the rainfall will probably end up being three to five inches uh, along the river, maybe two to four inches, and we really were hoping that we'd get seven to ten inches. And so having one half of that uh, amount uh, won't do the reservoir too much good, although it's better than nothing, that's not yeah, have to say true. that.
1: Barry Goldsmith from the National Weather Service office at Brownsville, about three weeks away from peak hurricane season for the Atlantic. And uh, we know it's very busy out there. We just need something to enter the Gulf of Mexico. You had teased us yesterday saying that uh, there might be something in the Gulf in about nine, ten days. So what do you see today?
5: So we were looking at what's called the global tropics hazards from our Climate Prediction Center. And they do have an area... Uh, of red hatching, which means the potential for tropical cyclone development in the eastern Gulf in that window. Um, today's models have not shown that at day 10. They were showing something yesterday there. They do show Franklin in the midterm, the next few days, uh, strengthening to a hurricane, but that will be off the Atlantic coast. And the western Gulf was, was not showing anything at that point. It was more of an eastern Gulf situation that would pull uh, towards the Florida coast if something were to develop in that 8- to 14-day period, and wow. that's kind of uncertain this morning. So while the activity has been pretty robust in terms of main cyclones, I mean, we went from Don to yeah. to Harold at about 80 miles per hour, if you, if you know what I mean. Yep. Um, and there may be more out there. There's still dry air and wind shear in the northern part of the main development region. So Franklin will get through it, it appears, but the other ones, uh, Emily and Gert, uh, didn't make it um, Harold of course, became a tropical storm. Emily could refire farther north it 's actually got a swirl remaining, and we 'll see what happens as it regenerates. but but overall, these are not really big uh, big deals at this point, but we still have the peak season on September tenth and there's every indication that we'll we'll see more activity at least in that western Atlantic Ocean yeah. we'll have to wait and see on the western Caribbean and Gulf to see if there's any more potential activity as we headed to the peak.
1: So what did you call that from yesterday? Red hatching? Hatchling? What would you call that?
5: Yeah, it's a red hatched a area. So you look at a map, hatched. Google search global tropical hazards yeah. and you'll see... Um, well, bring it back, man. We need to see hatching. that
1: thing again. <laughs> that thing turned out to be, what, more of a uh, like a red herring in the end. <laughs> bring, yeah, right. bring, bring that sucker back, please. Alright, Barry, thank you again for always being a phone call away. That's Barry Goldsmith from the National Weather Service office at Brownsville.
0: It's called the Radiopotami app. Find it in your Google Play or Apple App Store. From your friends at News Talk 710 KURV. You're listening to the best of the Valley's morning news. Here's Sergio.
1: This is Newstalk 710-KURV, this radio station, exclusive play-by-play home for Houston Astros baseball. Thank you to our many supporters, including f Valley Motorsports and Riverside Development Services and also Hess Air. Stephen Wingert with AIM Media. That's our McAllen Monitor. We've got our Valley Morning Star, our Brownsworth Herald, and online, Steve, mm-hmm. uh, the website, the unified website, it's MyRGV. myrgv.com. .com. There's a... A change in schedule and actual publishing—the sending out the paper copy of our local newspaper. So, what's the new schedule? Has, has that kicked
7: in? Oh well, it's going to start on September the ninth, okay. and we got—we we really got a couple things going on. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, uh, you know, we cut back on Monday and Tuesday uh, a few months ago, and that—and and we were letting our readers get used to that. And—and and I was kind of hoping we wouldn't cut the other days, uh, you know, maybe for another for a few more months, but. But but I think eventually most newspapers are going to be more of a biweekly or weekly, mm-hmm. right? Because the print product isn't the biggest, highest-read product uh, in our portfolio. It's really the website. Wow. So so we're putting. Um, so we still have to. You know, I, I thought about this on the way over. You know, we're a business that for 114 years has gathered up news, put it on a of paper and delivered it to our subscribers every morning mm-hmm. and and when you think about how most people receive their news now they just they just pick up their phone mm-hmm. right so so we're adjusting that for i think the long long-term viability of our business uh i think if we're going to be around for another hundred years uh god willing then i think we need to make some changes to our operation now we're still producing a, s- a seven uh seven day product right we put news on our website every day and we'll have our e-editions that are print readers are getting used to, mm-hmm. right? So that's, that's the move starting September 9th.
1: So, and there'll be Wednesday and Wednesday,
7: Sunday. and we're calling it our weekend edition, and okay. I, I want to chat about that for a minute. Sure. Our, our delivery model has been, you know, independent contractor-based. You go out and get folks who want to make a little extra money, and they throw the papers mm-hmm. early in the morning, oh, that's you know? Right. Yeah. So when we went down two days, uh, they, were, they, almost, they were celebrated a little bit because they got a break, right? They didn't have to throw 365 days a year. But, but really, we've had a tough time finding carriers. And a lot of our readers will, will agree with that, right? They're, they're not getting their paper consistently. Um, I look at Facebook posts where people are complaining. I don't believe we're going to be able to continue that print model um, forever. So uh, we're taking advantage of something that the post office offers, which is uh, same-day delivery. I could drop the paper off on Wednesday morning, and they'll deliver it on Wednesday morning. And, and if I can't find a carrier... That's, that's what I've been doing. So t- today I've already got some amount of papers being delivered that way. Not all the readers like that, right? If, if your post guy comes at eight, 9 yeah. o'clock, you're yeah. happy. Yes. comes at 4, you're not. But that's why we're calling the Sunday paper the weekend edition because as I struggle to find those carriers, I need to be able to have that option of the mail. And, and if I said that I was going to deliver it on Sunday, there's no mail on Sunday. If I don't have any carriers, then people will still... Will struggle to get their Sunday paper. So, so it's really kind of two things: delivery days. But, but before we made that announcement, we were already putting papers in the mail.
1: Do you see the day when all print will cease and it won't be just electronic?
7: Well, I hope. I I don't think that's going to happen um, uh, in any time in the near future. Mm-hmm. I think, but I think what you're seeing, I was uh, as papers across the United States are taking advantage of the technology side and they're and they're reducing their amount of actual printed days. Uh, one of the guys that did it first was the Denton Record Chronicle, you know, here in Texas. He moved down to, t- to 2 days and then he said, gosh, I wish I had just done one, you know, uh, maybe done one, but I know that. But, but 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 ultimately, I think most papers are going to go to that weekly cycle, right? And and I think um, we're not the first guys. We're not cutting edge in this regard. Uh, the Tampa Bay Tribune, uh, was one of the first papers that did it. Yeah, that's for sure. Arkansas Democrat, right? He was pretty, he's a statewide newspaper and, and he did it. So we're really honing up what I think the future of news is. Uh, you guys were talking about your app, you know, Mm -hmm. I I think, I think you're going to find more and more people using that technology to their, to their advantage. And, and we need to start focusing our time and attention on that, right? And, 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 you know, we're going to hope, hope to bring a lot of our print-loving you know, loving subscribers along with the uh, e-editions.
1: Your business model, then, the majority of what you're getting are subscriptions for folks going online mm-hmm. and checking out the, um, what would you, you say, 80% of that is already online, 70%? Oh, I'd say,
7: I'd say right now uh, we're talking about, you know, Nine, nope. 90% of the Excellent. people that I talk to that that, okay. that actually read our news yeah. are reading it through our website. But are they subscribing, though? That, that's, that's a, what's, that's a, what's a, what's a number key? that's growing slowly, okay. right? Because most people aren't used to getting their news. Um, they don't like to pay for it online. But here's what I think. We, we, The newspaper's job is to dig a little deeper and to do long-form journalism. And I think... As we continue to say, this story is for only for subscribers, right? Mm-hmm. This is a good mm-hmm. one, and it's only for subscribers. I think we'll continue to bring that number up, right? When I say subscribers, you know, versus, versus, uh, you know, print versus digital, I'd say no. It, it's still the subscribing side is still on the print side. I think those people realize that we actually okay. provide a service by delivering that paper. But I think the reality is. When I, when I gave you those numbers, I mean, I, you know, 97% of the people who yeah. interact with us are doing it online.
1: Yes, sir. Stephen Wingard, publisher of AIM Media. That's our newspapers here in the Valley. The Monitor, Morningstar,
4: and The Herald joining us in studio at KURV. So basically you're going to a, like a midweek edition and then, as you call it, a weekend edition. No. What What's prompting the cutbacks on the the published paper, the print product? Is it increased costs? Yes. Is it
7: just a social trend? No. Well, you know, it's, it's become increasing. The print is a volume business, right? You know, our presses are set up to print fast and lots of things, right? Yeah. And, and I think, um, you know, I tell people, remember when the Sunday paper was two inches thick and it had, you know, 25 <laughs> inserts in it every Sunday? Well, you haven't seen that no. in forever, right? Yeah,
4: you're right, so it's I want been you some to, time. Yeah,
7: so I want you to think about every one of those guys was paying me to put those inserts in that paper. That was a large. That was you know, decent amount of our, our revenue. We used to have, uh, you mentioned in Macy's, and I was thinking about Foley's and Sears and Man. Circuit City and Best Buy. All those guys ran either inserts or ads with us, and that national insert revenue has kind of really dwindled, and that took a big chunk of, of our revenue out, right? So print, print is an expensive. It's expensive to print a paper and deliver it to somebody's house seven days a week or five days a week. And so it is cost, right? How do we reduce our costs? and then move all of our resources into the online.
4: So, yeah, okay, so AIM Media has merged all of the three newspapers, uh, you know, the news, mm-hmm. onto the one website, MyRGV. Do you see a
7: day when there may be j- just the one, one newspaper for the valley? Yeah, ballot? I do. I do. I think so. I think it's part of our transition, right? I don't want to leave loyal long-term print readers behind right there's a lot of guys that are like hey I got to hold it right
4: yes yes so that's what I was going to ask do you yeah. do you get calls from people oh. to say man I miss the <laughs> feel of the newspaper I miss the ink on my, my fingers hands. Yeah. it's almost yeah. a,
7: it's almost a <laughs> subscriber by subscriber conversation yeah. I, I i wandered into accidentally the coin club recently uh, that was you know, like it was really kind of a mistake I didn't uh-huh. mean to be there, I was looking for something else. <laughs> and, and 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 I said, Hey, tell it's them the Steven Wingert's looking for them. And they all kind of went er, like, you know, you're yeah. with the paper, you're 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 messing up my my delivery. And, and then once I sit down and talk to them about, you know, this is this is how that's going, they seem to understand, you know, um, I, I don't want to say her name, but she's a prominent um community person. Um, she called and said to me, She's up there, she's in her nineties. She called and said to me, I'm proud of the courage you have to make this change for your business, but I don't like it one bit. Yeah. So I think that's the sentiment. <laughs> they, they really wish I could just keep printing. Well, I,
4: I like the optimism too, because at least we're keeping a paper. There are a lot, a lot of news deserts out there in in, um, in well, in some large communities, mm-hmm. also some small communities. They didn't take the lifeboat.
1: Small yes, sir. They didn't take the lifeboat online in time. Uh, Stephen Wingert from AIM Media. Yeah, that's our newspaper. The Monitor, the Morning Star, The Herald. Okay, so okay, if you remember. go to one newspaper, what do you call it?
7: That's why I haven't done it. <laughs> well <laughs> <laughs> why not
1: MyRGV.com? They're uh, on print. I've the music. I thought, thought
7: about MyRGB.com. You know, the beauty of MyRGV.com is all those journalists are still there. They're just pumping stuff into one website, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So I thought maybe the print product should MyRGB.com powered by the Valley Morning Star, Browns or Herald, the Monitor. It's just kind of weird right for a print guy to give up that masthead, you know? That's Absolutely. what we call it.
1: And and with every everybody broadcast like right now we're doing Facebook Live, right? Uh-huh. And like and I know that you have also an online presence where you can get your reporters on there and do yep. a review of right. a of different product at the local. There will always be a need. Yeah. For no one can cover city hall, county, local police, hurricanes. We, there will always be a need. Yeah, and, and uh, I hope and pray that your business model is successful to get the necessary
7: subscriptions to pay the staff and and, and keep plowing forward. Right, with, with local it's all media. about advertising, and I got to tell you, you know, it's a new game, right? Advertising, digital advertising, everybody's on the same level now, right? It's not like oh, we like broadcast and we don't do print or whatever. We do everything, and you guys know that, right? You yeah. guys are in that business, and I think that that's going to help that. Transition to digital, not just stuff on my but just general digital advertising.
1: is where we're growing our business fastest. Right? Come back and see us as often as, as you need, brother. And uh, thank you. We wish you continued success. You mentioned the coin guys that you bumped into the other day. Yeah, they started giving some lip uh, about how ma- how many papers you had out there. Right there, you, you need to remind them, hey boy, we're all going to a cashless society. <laughs> <laughs> how you like them apples, huh? That's <laughs> thanks, right. thanks for stopping by, Stephen. Thank you.
0: KURB. You're listening to the best of the Valley's morning news. Here's Sergio. We're
1: talking tax issues at McAllen ISD. One of our trustees, Sam Saldiva Jr., he's serving as vice president of the board right now. Sam, appreciate your time. So, tell us a bit more about the conversations related to tax rate over at McAllen ISD.
6: Well, on on last Wednesday, August the 16th, uh, in the special board meeting, the Board of Trustees called for a voter-approved tax ratification election for this coming November. And this election will allow it, the district to maximize its maintenance and operation tax rate by adding 4.14 cents while still realizing a 17.58 cent tax decrease to our taxpayers.
1: Because that's the only thing that's... In the mind of most people listening in right now, does this mean it's a tax increase, a tax increase, or a tax decrease? And you're saying it would be a tax decrease uh, as far as rates, right? That's
6: correct. The individual, uh, the the district, uh, back in uh, June second, and also on August the twenty eighth, posted its tax rate, which is going to be down uh, from what it was this past year. Um, which was a dollar nine six four and right now we've posted a dollar zero zero one one pennies, um, cumulative both the uh, maintenance uh, and operations and also the interest and in sink, which is the bond debt. And so, yes, uh, due to, uh, um, house bill three in the 86 legislature, which called for a tax compression, which at that time we were at a dollar, uh, 15, uh, point, uh, I'm sorry, a dollar five five zero. Uh, we were now this past year due to that compression to a dollar two, uh, I'm sorry, dollar nine, six, four. Now with Senate Bill three, which passed in the 88th legislative period, not too long ago, signed into the law, uh, there's an additional tax compression that's taking place. And those two tax compressions are uh, both uh, carried on from the previous legislation. And now this most recent one is where the voters are gonna realize okay. a net decrease in their um, uh, property tax values yes, to the school district. And so that's what we've been discussing as to how we'd best do that and still provide continued quality education to our students. Uh,
1: the answer to the question as to why from all this, from what I heard, is it's McKellen ISD complying with state law that as you, as you pay off some bond debt and move things around for maintenance expenses, uh, you need to decrease the rate that you're just complying with. With state law, that's what we're seeing, the decrease right now. Do you know, if approved, what it would mean for, let's say, I'm going to use the $100,000 uh, you know home. What, what does it mean in the end as far as the tax bill from McAllen ISD? Do you know?
6: Well, um, the figure that we've been using is the average home values here, which is 213206 and if we were to go with the, uh, the uh, voter approved and the voters were to approve that uh, tax rate, uh, which would be uh, 0.8448 uh, uh, cents per $100 evaluation, and the defeasance was, is put into place, which the board will vote on that on Tuesday, the resolution on the defeasance, which is the uh, bond debt, uh, and taking into account the homestead exemption of $100,000, which House Bill 3, honestly, right. seven, Bill 3 allowed, right. then the, the voters would see a decrease from 1754 which was 22-23 20, uh, this past year of tax rate, to a do, $1,001, which is a yearly variance of the decrease of $753. Wow. Which, is, which is roughly $63 a month savings. While the district would gain five million one hundred twenty-four thousand nine hundred forty-seven dollars, both in local and state funding.
1: Okay, and voters still need to approve that homestead um, from forty k to hundred k, right? November, we still need to approve that. That's yeah. correct. All right.
6: that's correct. There's a, there's a state uh, um, um, uh, item on the ballot, yeah, which has to be approved as well as the the divider that we're proposing. So there'll be two uh, two items at least. For the community to, consider. I know Tim's chomping well, so at the, the
1: bit to, to join us. That the the McAllen uh, rate that would be in the November election too, right? If
6: that is correct. Okay, he's on the ballot in November.
1: Yes, sir. Sam
4: Salidad, Jr. He's one of our trustees for McAllen ISD. Uh, Mr. Saldivar, you know Tim Sullivan here. Is it correct to say that this tax rate proposal that this is. It will be a tax decrease, but just not as much of a decrease that you're proposing if voters do say yes in November on this tax rate election.
6: That's a fair statement. We're basically saying with tax rate that the state would have allowed under Senate Bill three and the prior compression, we're asking four point um, sorry, 414 pennies to be held back so that we can utilize and, and then gain that additional revenue into our district. Uh and so that's exactly you're right. It's it's uh, it's not realizing the full uh, amounts of the tax compression. Um it's asking for the four point one four pennies to be held.
4: How is the and district? Still we,
6: and still we get one, 1758 pennies um uh, back anyway.
4: How's the district proposing to spend that savings then?
6: Very good. Um Actually, right now, the budget we approved this June is budget neutral when it comes to compensation and any further expenditures in that area. So, we would need these funds to continue to provide compensation uh, moving forward to compete with the surrounding districts uh, when it comes to compensation, especially for our teachers, librarians, and staff. So, this would be across the board, um, a salary increase for them if this is where to approve. In addition to that, uh, we're going to be using parts of those for the state-mandated additional items that are, in, are we still need to to put into place when it comes to safety and security yes, yes. in our facilities. So that's that's the, where the money would be totally utilized and only for that purpose.
4: Has the McAllen ISD done this before?
6: Uh, as Ta- far as ho- a, a, tax, uh, a voter-approved tax ratification? Yeah, relation? mm-hmm. Yes, we did that before, and uh, uh, if memory serves me well, right, it was in 2018. Uh, and Do you in recall how time, voters
4: reacted to that?
6: It was very, very positive. If I remember correctly, it was over 70 percentile in favor of that uh, voter approval. And that was, a, that was an increase there versus this one is a net decrease uh, for voters. Uh,
1: one of our trustees for McAllen ISD, Sam Sullivan Jr., joining us right now. It's the, it, it is now the post-Jay Gonzalez era. Uh, superintendent at McAllen ISD. I, I know through his many years that he was there, one of the items that stands out, very aggressive uh, items when it comes to education, was the collegiate high school program with UTRGV. Is that going to continue? I know it's a campus being built, so what do you know, what do you hear, what's the status of the collegiate high school for McAllen? It's on tr- Okay.
6: It's on track. It will be completed. It will be part of our educational program available to all, all, all takers, our students, and anyone who can come to the district uh, tuition-free. Uh, we already have one cohort last year brought in 125 students. They're already starting instructions. Uh, we'll have another 125 coming in this year. And the the, uh, the target is to complete that project by the start of school year twenty twenty four, and we'll have students there on that campus.
1: Yes, sir. Got about thirty seconds left. How about mm-hmm. the the timeline for a new superintendent? What do you see at the board?
6: Uh, the the board is an ongoing conversations. Right that way. Right now, we're very pleased and happy to have Dr. De Hoyos as our acting superintendent. She's uh, done a tremendous job working alongside the teachers and staff under the stewardship of Dr. Gonzalez. So we expect the community to understand that every student will receive quality education through every interaction every day. And so that time will happen sooner than later. And I think the board will have some sort of announcement in the, in the very near future right. to continue our discussion.
1: Thank you, Sam. Appreciate your time. Vice President, uh, School Trustees of the, the Board of McKellen ISD, Sam Salivat Jr. This is the only radio station in the Rio Grande Valley for the news and information you need to know. We are News Talk 710KURV. Discover our Facebook page, 710KURV, also Twitter. I'm Sergio Sanchez, and my email is Sergio at com. Thank you for listening to Newstalk 710-KURV. Hey,
0: as long as you're scrolling through your phone checking out your friend's latest Instagram post, take a moment to download the Radio Radioparami app. Take the app with you wherever you are and whatever you're doing.